You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 65 called 16 EdTech Tools for the New School Year. We always start the new year with an episode devoted to the coolest new EdTech that we learned about over the summer, and this is that episode. So why not start off your new school year with some passion and inspiration by tuning in? This is one episode you don't want to miss. So Nick, how you feeling? I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. We're getting closer to school. What's going on with you? Uh, not too much is going on. I'm feeling okay. It's just a strange start to the new new school year. Trying to determine what COVID nineteen means for all you know all the different uh, scenarios and depending on what state you're in and what uh, really your district's situation is. I know me and you uh, supposedly as of now we're doing like a hybrid schedule for the upcoming school year, which is totally brand new. And I think just like anybody else, I'm trying to figure it out and just plan what that's going to look like for me and in my chemistry students. So it's it's an interesting time to say the least. How about you? Yeah, I mean, this is the first year I'm going back into the classroom. Uh, so it's the first time I'll be in the classroom in the last six years. And I'm teaching AP Bio, a subject that, you know, I taught bio before, but not AP. So we're taking it to the next level and, and uh, just trying to figure out whether remote is the option or if this hybrid is going to stick. Because I know uh, in the news over the last couple of weeks, you know, sports are starting to get, you know, postponed till 2021. I'm interested when September 9th or whatever our first day is comes about, you know, what is that really going to look like? That's what I'm interested in. So whatever yeah. it is, you know, today's episode, I think will help out with either one because everything that we go over today, you would be able to use in the remote classroom and the students would definitely be able to use it in the classroom for student-centered learning projects and things like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things about uh, really the stuff we've been pushing all along is that it kind of doesn't matter. If you're, if you're a teacher that's going back to a fully in-person school year, great. Nothing changes for you. You can take these ed tech selections just like always and use them for that purpose. If you're in a hybrid model, like maybe we will be, then you can Definitely use it there and for the people that are going fully remote. And there's a lot of those uh, districts out there as well. Uh, you're going to need some of this stuff, not because you want to, but because you have to. So hopefully there's there'll be something for everybody, no matter what the situation. I think that was important to point out. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. So before we get into our content, we've been getting a lot of reviews lately, a lot of ratings lately on uh, iTunes. I guess they're called Apple Podcasts now and some of our other podcast uh, players and platforms. So uh, keep those coming. We love to see them. Uh, we'd love to read them out on our podcast episodes. Uh, if you like what we're doing, that's a great way to just say, uh, you know, to let us know that you do like what we're doing. So go out, subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's starting to get a little bit of buzz as we uh, put more and more content on there. Nick and I are kind of committed to making sure that we're coming up with a couple of new uh, tech tips and tricks uh, each week. That's our goal for this year. Uh, and then also, we are on Twitter. 
at we got teched and nick's at nick got teched and i'm at guys got tech so reach out if you have any questions we did do an episode all on questions that we gathered over a couple month time span uh we'd love to do that again uh the last thing you could do is just share our podcast with a couple friends uh, that's the easiest way for the PLN. And when we say the PLN, it's it's our PLN. It's it's everyone involves PLN. It's not just Nick and I's, but we're enjoying meeting new people and growing that PLN and learning from our listeners. And it happens all the time. And that's what makes doing podcasts so cool. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. So as Nick and I kind of alluded already, today is another EdTech tool episode. We're not just doing apps. We're not doing extensions. We're doing a mixed bag here. Really, I think most of, ours, uh, most of our tools that we selected this time are going to be unknown or not as popular, not like a Flipgrid or a Nearpod or anything like that. But these tools do serve a purpose in our educational realm. Uh, we do need to pay attention to them because some of them are just downright cool. I mean, I've never heard of some of these before we started doing some research and some of them were actually recommended to us and we took a look at them and, and they're pretty awesome. Yeah, these are sometimes this is my favorite type of episode. We don't we didn't put any limitations on this. So we've, we've got 16, which is a small number. And I think that makes it extra fun because these are the 16 of the coolest things that we've come across over the summertime. Uh, and I know there are at least half of these I'm going to be using for sure as I start to get a little bit more serious about designing lessons for the upcoming school year. So I'm super pumped to share these things. I'm super pumped to use these things. Do you uh, do you want to get us started off with the with the first one, one of your picks here? Yeah, I really wish that we could vote on who has the better ones yes. here because, you yes. know, if, it, if you know Nick and I, we're very competitive with one another and we often do professional developments. It's called a, one of our favorite things to do is an ed tech throwdown. So if you're listening to this episode, you could just respond to when we post the episode and just say who you thought won. And, yeah. you know, when you put my name down, I, I will humbly accept that. And uh, if you put Nick's name down, I will probably... Uh, Erase that Twitter message very, very quickly. <laughs> I'll just, I'll share how crazy it is. We're pretty split who wins the uh, the tech battles that we do for one of our most popular in-person PD sessions or now virtual PD sessions too. But do you remember the most recent one? You won unanimously. There, was, I did not get one single vote, which is... And it wasn't a small crowd either. No, yeah. And it's the you, same we always present. And sometimes I win, sometimes you win. It was really weird. <laughs> I was, no, it was finally we had a truthful audience. That's what happened. They, they okay. put they put you and I aside, and they picked the tools that were were awesome. And I had you know those tools that time. So all right, yeah, let's get into it. I'll start us off. Sure. Um, so my first one is random.org. Um, random.org is pretty awesome, especially if you're a math or a bio teacher and you need uh, randomness. So. Oftentimes when we work with populations in science, we need randomness. We need we need either heads or tails of a coin. We need different playing cards. Uh, we need a lottery system or dice to do probability and things like that. So in random.org, you could just say, how many outcomes do you want? Do you want them to be coins? Do you want them to be playing cards? Do you want them to be uh, dice? Whatever you want. 
and it will show a picture of if I pick 30 dice being rolled randomly, it will show that. And then we could use that for our problem sets. You could also use this if, if you assign every kid a number, you could use this to randomly pick names out of a hat. I think they have something called, it's something close to the wheel of names, but anything random that you could think of, a situation where you need something random, you want to go to random.org and check it out. So that's uh, my first one, random.org. I'll throw this out too for random.org. I actually use that for any anybody out there who runs any kind of club or organization. We do a ski club at our at the high school that Geist and I work at. And it's it's a pretty popular club and it gets tough to select members. Um, so we run a lottery, whereas we take as many permission slips as possible. And then there's a random number selection to choose that year's participants, just as like the most fair way to do it. We just assign each student a number and then I let random.org do the random selecting for me. I record it, I post that recording online. So, you know, all the, all the parents and students can sort of check that video to make sure it actually was a true random selection. And, and besides all the cool stuff guys mentioned, like the cards, dice, coins, lottery, you can use it for, you know, simply a, a random number selection, which is which is useful for a, a number of different tasks. So that's that is one of my faves. And I'll jump into my first selection too, which is perfect for me. It's it's as a, a guy who appreciates the arts and making things look nice, especially in a lot of the stuff that we're doing today online. In branding, there's coolers.co, that's C-O-O-L-O-R-S dot C-O. Essentially, coolers, I hope I'm saying that correctly, coolers. If I'm not, feel free to write in and tell me about it. But coolers.co, it's a color palette generator. So if you're trying to develop a presentation, if you're a student, you're trying to develop a project and you want to sort of hit that maximum threshold for professionalism and have all your colors match nicely and within sort of a pre-designed palette, um, especially for people like you guys that are colorblind, you just see a random selection of grays. This is going to be extra perfect because it does all the picking for you. Um, coolers.co, uh, like I said, it creates the perfect color palette. It sort of helps you to get inspired within that color palette. Uh, so when you go to that website, there's a little blue button that says start the generator. You'll just click it and you can start navigating, choosing some predetermined color palettes. So you just kind of pick whichever one looks nicest to you. Uh, you can also select some colors and it will suggest other colors that match for whatever your particular project is. Um, one of the coolest part about uh, coolest parts about this is that they've got, you know, the website version so you can do it right from your computer. There's also an iPhone app an extension that builds right in with Adobe. So if you're working in any of those applications uh, or Chrome, they have a Chrome extension as well. It also sort of ties in with some social media like Instagram. I haven't played around with that one a whole lot yet, uh, but just really, really super cool. Um, like I said, for any projects where you're trying to make sure you hit that uh, that maximum or the, the best possible look you can, you can use coolers.co to help you get the colors looking spot on. So check it out. You know, that's, that's one that I would have to use. It's like, perfect for you. I mean, being terrible at that whole color scheme thing. Yep. All right. So the next one is freepd.com. Now, don't think that it's a professional development site. Uh, it is not. And I, I had to go back and make sure that this was the actual URL over and over and over again. Freepd.com is a public domain for music site. So if you're starting your students on podcasting or if they need any type of audio behind their projects, any type of presentation or, or anything like that, 
go to freepd.com and check out some of their music. They have hundreds of titles there. They're all pretty awesome. Uh, some of them are, you know, not my taste, I should say. Like, I'm not a polka guy. I wouldn't put polka in the back <laughs> of a podcast. But it's free music. It's common collective. You can use it wherever you want. As always, I always recommend that if you're going to use someone else's music, you at least give them credit for it. But if, on this site, most of them do not even, you don't even have to give them credit, which is beyond me. It even says down at the bottom that you could take this music and sell it under your own purpose for your own purposes like you can legally go onto that site and do that which was very strange uh for me to see i've never seen anything like that but freepd.com yeah that's cool a lot of times they'll give it to you for free but as long as you're not making any money so it's cool they allow you to use that um i actually got because at the beginning when you and i started making videos i was just taking any music any song from anywhere and using it and i actually got a cease and desist letter for some of the early posted videos did that ever happen to you no i i've heard it happen to people i never knew it happened to you yeah, um, man. i tried to just use the youtube free stuff and okay. uh there are little programs where you could go in there and you can kind of put your stuff in there and and just use because i mean think about it we use about eight to ten seconds of a song or right. anything so make up your own little little beats there yeah, of course. But it's important to kind of explain that to your students and make sure they know they can find stuff that's free and okay to use. Um, so my next selection is called Blabberize EDU. You might have heard of Blabberize before. Blabberize, is, it's kind of separate from Blabberize EDU. The EDU version is their newest extension of that. But it's one of the coolest things ever. It's just super fun for anybody. And now to be able to bring that into your classroom is extra awesome. If you've never seen it before, essentially what it is, is you can imagine any picture of usually somebody, something like an animal or a cartoon's face and uh, blabberize will, you know, adjust the mouth area of the picture so that it moves. So then it records you talking and automatically inserts your voice behind the moving mouth of this picture when it's supposed to be funny because if you pick something like I think they're. When you first go to Blabberize EDU's website, you'll see it's like a llama or an alpaca. And it's this alpaca's mouth moving while it's your voice talking over top of it and narrating, saying whatever you want, whatever you recorded. And it's hysterical. So it's just a really fun thing to do. There, you know, The applications of this for your class projects are, are endless. The kids will love it. You'll love watching them. Super fun. Uh, so essentially, you're making any picture with a mouth talk with your voice narrating over top. And again, Blabberize, Blabberize EDU is a version of Blabberize that's there for teachers and students. Um, some of the cool parts about it is a lot of teachers were using just normal Blabberize, but they would have to share their one single username and password with their whole class. But now you don't need to do that because in the EDU account, you can set up individual accounts for yourself as a teacher and each of the students in your class. Uh, so that makes this whole process much easier. The students and teachers now within that class can share. Uh, they call them blabbers. When you create the video, they can share their blabbers with each other. And of course, we love that, right? That's everything in education now is easy sharing. Uh, so it makes it very simple to see what your students are creating and for students to share amongst themselves. It's also got some features that almost sort of approach more like a learning management system in that you can sort of set different classes and groups and push assignments out to them, which is just so cool all within this really creative sort of space. And of course, uh, my favorite part is that the EDU version means 
there are no ads, which is fantastic. Now, I believe there is a small fee for this, but it's it's really light. So it's something that I might uh, consider investing in just because of how fun this could be for so many different projects. So I'm going to highly recommend maybe maybe my, my number one pick, Blabberize EDU. Check it out. So when you first told me about this uh, tool, I was like, all right, come on, Nick. Yeah. Come on. I mean, everything that... Uh, we're going over and there, he was talking to me about like a parakeet like mouth <laughs> popping up and down mm-hmm. so i went and checked it out and uh i thought it was awesome 10 bucks they're running a deal right now it's 10 bucks for the year 30 accounts student counts so i got it already i mean i'm i'm logged in i've been playing around with it since you told me about it nice and uh the one thing i think i'm going to use it for is like the personalizing of my classroom i I, I could see maybe like in AP bio, I plant like graphs are a big part of everything. So I'm going to have a talking, I don't know, penguin give the uh, Friday. I'm going to do a table or some type of data evidence piece uh, that they have to analyze it and kind of tell me what's going on every Friday. Nice. So I'm going to have the penguin give the directions. Maybe the next time it'll be a giraffe, whatever we get a little bit of a, you know, a laugh out of the kids that that'd be great i mean it's not going to take up more than 15 20 seconds of the whole thing so i i think that humor piece a lot of us uh in the classroom we use humor as our best uh way of keeping everyone together i know in your class humor is a big part of your class same thing for mine and it's like the glue of everything so i yep. could see this especially in the remote setting kind of being that glue that keeps everything kind of light but still focused so my next one for the remote classroom is phenomenal i had doubts i had a lot of doubts and i'm a teacher that's going back into the classroom i have all these old tests and everything like that i do not plan i i don't want to say that I, I won't do this, but I, if we're doing all remote, I'm not giving multiple choice tests for grades. I'm just not. There's no way to hold kids 100% accountable. Even if you tell them to open up a Zoom or a Google Meet or anything like that, and they have to sit in front of you and take that test, there's nothing stopping them from having a second monitor or anything to look it up. So I'm going to change my approach a little bit and use those as my formative assessment pieces. That way they know that they're not really getting a grade there on those, but it could provide guidance as to where they're weak in the standards that I want them to learn or the competencies. So then based on on those uh, grades and everything, uh, what they get right and wrong, I'll have other assignments. Now I'm straying far away from this piece of ed tech, but I'm going to Reel it all back in, all right, because it's that awesome. I wanted to keep you in suspense. This one's called, it's an add-on, all right, and it's called Auto Magical Forms. I mean, it's so magical, the icon is a unicorn. <laughs> We've been chasing the unicorn for these ed tech tools. That's what we do. We chase the ed tech unicorn all over the place. And this is one that is getting us a little bit closer now that we captured this ed tech tool. Auto Magical Forms. If you have a test, multiple choice test, and it's in PDF, you upload it and it automatically makes it into a Google Forms quiz. And it is so accurate. The only thing I had to do, it was a 50 question multiple choice. It was basically just a test bank and I just wanted to throw them all into a Google Form. The only thing I had to do was delete the directions from the PDF because when it 
transcribed it over, it made that a question. All I had to do is delete it and put it up in the direction part of the form. It's so awesome, so amazing, and I will be using it. This is one of those things where, kind of like you said, chasing the unicorn, which is an interesting way to put it, but oddly fitting, because there's so many times where any teacher that's tried to go digital with their assignments, and especially with their assessments, has had a moment when you're switching that test over to the whatever digital format you're using and Google Forms is a common one. And you say, wouldn't it be easy if I could just like push a button and this test would be automatically digitized? Well, automatical forms, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is that thing. And it actually, guys told me about this. I didn't believe them. I tried it. It actually does work super well. So all my tests, you know, for AP Chem and, and even the regular chemistry class, uh, they're all Word docs. I'm just going to quickly delete everything else except the multiple choice questions, turn them into PDFs. And this is going to be, this is going to be what I do. And like you said, they're, they're all going to be, you know, formative assessment versions of the actual tests, which will be more like short answer free response based. So this one is hugely important. I'm actually glad we're not officially, although maybe we are now because we announced it. I'm not sure, but I'm glad we're not officially doing an EdTech battle here because that's one that could give you the edge over me again. I remember the first time that we asked people to vote, Dan Gallagher voted for you. He's a good yeah. podcast buddy and everything yep. like that. Yep. Uh, hi to Dan. We haven't talked to him in quite some time, but I guarantee you he's pretty busy uh, in the remote, remote world. Yeah. Uh, but I know he voted for you and that still holds tight. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe I'll get Dan's vote this time. I might not get many, but I might get Dan's. Yeah, it's important. It's an important one. Well, I'll, I'll jump into my next selection, though, which is pretty it's a quick one. It's called CoolSymbol.com for a chem teacher like myself. But I think this extends out to a lot of places. There's tons of crazy symbols uh, that you're trying to include for you know, in different worksheets, especially when you're digitizing them and, and trying to push stuff out remotely it might be tough to find the exact symbol you need to include for, you know, for chemistry, there's chemical equations with arrows, all sorts of different, like there's a back and forth arrow for chemical equilibrium and this type of arrow for forward and reverse and uh, a special different arrow. If there's a thermodynamic component to the reaction. And a lot of the times if you're in your, you know, your Microsoft word or your Google docs, you can find these symbols and they have a lot of them but they don't have all of them. So something like coolsymbol.com can help to fill those gaps. Um, essentially, you go to this website and it's just right on the main page, super easy. You don't have to click anywhere or go anywhere. They just have this massive, massive database of symbols. And it's so easy. As soon as you just you click the symbol, there's like a little, like a square shape with the symbol on it. You say, I want to use that. You click it. That one single click automatically copies the symbol to your computer's clipboard and you can paste it into anywhere you want to go. So I'm scrolling down the page right now. There's currency symbols, bracket symbols. It looks to be about, I don't know, 60 different types of brackets. And what does Microsoft Word give you? Maybe five to six if you're lucky. Chess and card symbols, degree symbols, weather symbols, little rain clouds, sunshine, umbrellas, snowmen. There's got to be 200 different types of arrow symbols you can use. Um, And the list goes on and on. Besides just these sort of text-based symbols, uh, they do a similar thing with emojis. You want to start throwing emojis in with your Google Docs or your Microsoft Word worksheets or PDFs that you're pushing out. You can click on their emojis tab um, and and just tons, tons more stuff. So I'm going to let that one speak for itself. Coolsymbol.com. Check it out for all your symbol needs. 
I like that just for the copyright symbol. You know yeah. how hard it is to find a copyright symbol? Yep, all those. The little, even the little R, like the rights reserved or the TM. I don't even know what TM means, but sometimes you need this stuff, right? And they have all of it. Super right, super nice. I'm going to, for my next one, I'm going to stick with Google Forms. All right. I, I am totally against timing tests, but sometimes we have to do it and sometimes we have to practice it. Uh, I would never want to put a 45 minute timer on any any type of assessment that I give, but in AP Bio, AP Chem, and anything that has a standardized test, they have a certain amount of time to answer the multiple choice section or the short answer, long answer section. So timeify.me will add a timer into Google Forms and it's a live timer. So once they start, that timer starts. So I think that's pretty, pretty awesome there. It's pretty a uh, neat tool, especially when we have to practice for these standardized tests, just to get your students a little bit more calm, to have them realize how long, you know, 15 or 45 minutes really is when taking a test. Yeah, I can, uh, you know, been teaching AP science for a while. I can give you this advice, dude. It, it actually helps a lot to train your students, like as, as you predicted already, but I can tell you it really does make a big difference to get them to get used to the timing of a test because it's one of the most stressful parts. And once they get used to that, it actually helps them do way better on the exam because the, you know, the time element, it's not something they have to worry about. So a tool like Timeify Me is really helpful. And I, I got another one that's going to be helpful for you. I already called you out once for the um, <laughs> coolers.co. Sorry, man. It's just the picks. They're perfect for it uh, to help you pick in your color palettes. Uh, this next one is called Auto Draw, and it, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's exactly that. It is an automatic drawer. So what you want to do if you're a uh, artistically challenged individual, um, anybody, actually, if you just want nice professional looking drawings, you go to autodraw.com. I'm on the screen right now and I drew, there's like a little whiteboard space where you can use your mouse cursor to draw on that space. I just drew a circle with a line coming out of the circle. So what AutoDraw does, is it detects what you've drawn and it uses some type of an algorithm to match up your drawing with a bunch of pre-selected icons. And the pre-selected icons are very professionally made. They look awesome. And you can then select and use those rather than the thing that you've drawn. And it's surprisingly accurate. Before we started the show, I was testing it out and I tried to draw a mouse like an act, not a computer mouse, like a little animal mouse. And my computer drawing of a mouse looked ridiculous. It was a very sad looking mouse. Um, but AutoDraw knew that I was trying to draw a mouse and it has like five different little icons of mice that I could use and select from and then copy paste that. So maybe even if you can draw a mouse here, you can spend about five seconds doing the crappiest version possible and then just steal AutoDraw's really nice version and just copy paste it into whatever document you're trying to use. I like this for student projects. So you can sort of level that playing field of kids that can draw. Of course, their projects are gonna look better and they might score better because of it. Now all of your kids can have very nice drawings with something like AutoDraw, super cool. So the secret's out of the bag there. That's obviously what you do. And uh, maybe, I mean, I'm getting a lot better. You're staying the same. So really the, the gap is closing <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, you might cool. say that. I mean, we might be even. <laughs> it's true. I, I'm seeing this being used, like, especially now if we're in a remote situation, we can use Jamboard 
as a whiteboard. And as we're teaching, if someone asks you a question, you need to quickly draw something, just split screen it, and then use Duelist. That's one that we we mentioned in past episodes to have two screens on your on your one screen and just have auto draw up there and then draw your little figure and click it over there and you're good. Yep. Why not? I think that's awesome. It is awesome. All right. So the next one, we're going to stay in the Google family here. And uh, we briefly mentioned this one before, but I had to bring it out again because I just used this for a virtual gallery walk and I was doing a professional development. And I wanted to get to know the people that we were working with because this is someone that we're going to be working with throughout the whole year. So I wanted to get to know them a little bit. I assigned every person that was taking this virtual professional development a slide, asked them to have a picture of themselves, their social media, where they teach, who they teach for, how long they've, they've taught and things like that. But they had to do it in pictures. Everything was pictures. And then I asked them to use record to slides. Okay, this is a, an extension. Record to slides to basically give us the museum tour of their slide. And and it was basically just an introduction to them and their slide. And it was pretty awesome because they all they all went in there, they they did their slide, they recorded using record to slides, and then everyone else can just go in there and click through there and basically get to know everybody. And this could be done. So I asked them to do it before we started the professional development and then to click around on everyone's slides. And then once we got there, since we're doing virtual, if we would do any type of introductions and stuff, it's super choppy, but now they, they know each other. And if they didn't know someone, they could go back to that slide deck and learn about those people. You could do this in the classroom as well. Super important, something like that, especially maybe if you are all virtual in a way to sort of help the kids get to know each other. So I, I think that's a good one to bring up for a second time. My next selection is pretty cool. It's called Be Funky. Guys and I right now, one of the many projects we're involved in is designing a brand new course. I think we called it World. Is it World Ready Media or Work Ready? I always get him confused. It's uh, World Ready Technology. That's it. World Ready Technology, which is a fitting name, but it doesn't always describe it to people who are learning about it for the first time. Essentially, it's a class about digital media creation in, in the modern world that would include blogging, social media, websites, podcasting. Really, it's the way a lot of people make their living. It's just being an internet maybe personality or at least a presence and, and how to do that. Um, and one of the, you know, there's lots of challenges to that. One of them is just putting out good content, uh, visually appealing content that sort of helps to brand you and get, you know, help your followers get to know you so that you actually can make a living off of something like this. And, and BeFunky.com is a great tool to start getting your, your students used to this type of thinking. Even if you don't teach a course like this, we should be building in more and more projects in our, you know, even our academic classes that tie in this type of thinking. Uh, so at its heart, Be Funky, it's just a picture editor, but it lets you do so many cool things that tie into this internet-based digital world. Um, so as simple as cropping and resizing photos, you can do that. A um, little bit on the fancier side is really, really, really cool ways to turn your photograph into digitally recolored artwork, essentially. So sort of like setting different color themes and it reworks the whole image. So it has this really crazy arty pop to it before you post it. You can turn it into like a classical style painting or a sketch or a cartoon 
to give it a neat look. Batch editing photos. So take a whole series of photographs and apply the same filters to those photos. A huge one for me is removing the background. In our one of our last couple episodes, we told you guys about um, remove.bg, which is a free uh, background remover that takes no skill, no downloading, no learning. You can do a similar thing with bfunky.com. Uh, retouching portraits. So if you've got an iPhone, you know about portrait mode, which gives you crazy, super clear images of something in the foreground and it kind of blurs out the background. You can do that. Awesome way to make your social media posts look incredible. Uh, And then the list goes on. There's collage makers. There's design templates, uh, stock images, like we mentioned before, that you don't have to worry about paying royalties to someone to use them. Be Funky is fantastic for this type of uh, digital media creation. So definitely check that one out. To me, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about be funky because of the name. It just makes me want to start singing like a Bruno Mars type song. Or something <laughs> like that. The one thing I really like about that is it's like Pablo, the extension Pablo, but I would just use that extension to put pictures, the quotes, quotes, the pictures, but this is really just taking it to the next level. Yep. And, uh, that's another one that I could probably use to close the uh, the gap between us. I mean, there's a, yes. there's a theme going on in this uh, in this episode. I kind of want to call this episode "Chasing the Unicorn," <laughs> but uh, right. I probably will not do that. Yeah. Um, but the next one that I'm going to go over it's in the podcasting realm again. I met um, the gentleman that made Soda Phonic uh, on Twitter. I think we followed up on, uh, you know, through email and everything like that. But in the past, we've recommended things like Twisted Wave and uh, Vokaroo and and things like that. Uh, Sodaphonic is kind of the thing that I, if you take the things I like from Vokaroo and the things I like about Twisted Wave and you mash them together, now we have Sodaphonic. And uh, this is what I'm excited about because you can sign up for an account, but you don't need to. With our students, if they're not signing up for an account, that means they're not getting any information from them. So the whole privacy and, and not selling information is is key. But Sodaphonic allows you to record and edit all in the same web-based platform. So it's a URL that you go to. Just go to Sodaphonic and you'll be able to find it if you search it on Google or click the link in our show notes. Uh, start by just hitting record, record your whole thing, hit done and then go back and edit it. And the editing tool is super easy. It's it's something that the students or anyone that really records with it, um, you, you can easily see how the editing tools work. And you don't have a plethora amount of editing tools. It's just the basics. And this is the reason why I like it. It's a, it's, it's a program that does something very simplistic and very effective. And, and that's something that you and I are starting to latch on to more and more. Getting something that does something very well and doesn't try to push the boundaries of all this crazy, cool stuff that is overcomplicated that will overwhelm people while using it. So, Sodaphonic. Yeah, because that's what people want, right? And I think a lot of developers are starting to realize that. And you're right, man. You said it last time. This episode really is all about, I think at its heart. I mean, these are 16 awesome tools, but so many of them are tools that we've thought in the past. Wouldn't it be great if there was a tool that did this? And I think Sodaphonic is another one of those. And I've I've got the next one too, which I think falls in the same category. I haven't seen anything like it before, but 
I don't know why, because it's so common sense. It's called reclipped. That's R-E, clipped. Um, it calls itself an annotate and analyze videos uh, tool. Um, essentially, what that means is that it is, you know, designed as a study tool. That's how I'm explaining this. A study tool for people and students that learn primarily via videos, which is how a lot of our kids are learning right now. And a lot of, you know, if you're going to school online, you're, you learn via videos that one of their taglines here is for the generation that watches knowledge. So they say if you're preparing an exam, preparing for an exam and you're trying to learn from a video and that video is an integral part of your learning, using something like Reclipped can sort of help you maximize and take advantage of that video. So as you watch the video, it lets you add notes. Um, you can also sort of uh, earmark and collect segments of the video much in the same way. It kind of reminded me of, you know, the old days where you were reading a textbook and you sort of folded down the corner of the page because you're like, oh, that's something I got to go back to. You're essentially, it's like the digital video version of that. So you can collect video segments that you want to go back to. It also has a pretty uh, robust collaboration platform. So you can do this type of studying in groups virtually, which is, which is crazy, crazy huge. You know, it's online. So you get your access anywhere, anytime. Um, once you've identified certain segments of the video, you can sort of navigate back to those really quickly. So if you have to, you know, say watch a 15 minute video and you don't want to slog through the first 10 minutes and there's some segment in the middle, you can, it, you know, it helps you jump straight to that, which is uh, super helpful. And they work with a lot of the most popular you know, video platforms like YouTube and Vimeo, Khan Academy, Coursera. Uh, they're all on there. And, and you'll see if you check out Reclipped, it's getting a lot of attention from the biggest names in ed tech. Uh, Eric Kurtz is one that sort of jumped out at me as sort of recently throwing this out there to his followers. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more stuff like this because it's a huge need. You know, this is how a lot of students are learning, watching videos online. And there just hasn't been a lot out there you know, to support that. So I think this is a, a giant one. I'm excited to share it today. Yeah, it sounds pretty awesome to me. I mean, anything, you know, we keep saying that our students are digital natives. No, they're YouTube natives. Right. Yep. Um, that's where their experience lies for the most part. Yep. Uh, so my next one is another one that I already used to help close the gap. Uh, and that's called Text Giraffe. All right. Text Giraffe allows you to put any type of words together or letters together. Recently, I'm coaching my son's t-ball team. And because of what's going on with uh, COVID and everything, they're not having pictures. And, you know, a couple of the parents said, I, you know, later on in life, we're really going to appreciate pictures. So I took some pictures on my phone as they were hitting, took a couple action shots. And then I went over to Canva and I made like a template for a baseball card. Nice. But I wanted their names to be fancy. And, and that's one thing about Canva that I haven't learned how to do. I'm sure you can do it on there, but I haven't found it yet. I wanted their names to be like blue letters because we're the Titans. So we're that light blue, but have the white thick outline with it. And I wanted it to be in cursive. So that was hard to find. So I went over to text giraffe and I typed in every kid's name and then you hit enter and it comes up with hundreds of different artistic ways of showing that kid's name. So I finally found one that I liked and I was very proud of the little baseball card that it looked like. But Text Giraffe is amazing. 
say you want to spell homecoming or graduation, but you want little caps and gowns in there. If you scroll through those options long enough, you're going to find something that has like, you know, congratulations graduates with a whole bunch of little caps. Maybe it's uh, they're just using their, you know, graduation gown caps to have each letter going across there. Very easy to use. When you find one that you like, you right click on it, you hit copy, you go over to your Google slide or wherever you're working on, you paste it in there with control V, you resize it and you're off to the races. It's that easy, that simple. Very, very cool. Awesome. I'm going to definitely check that out myself. Um, my next tool is is great. It's something I go back to a lot uh, on the show from time to time, and that is creating digital comics. I just like it. And kids, no matter what era you've been teaching in, they always enjoy this. It's just a fun way to incorporate a different type of learning. Of course, now we're looking for ways to do that digitally. And there's lots of different uh, digital comic strip creators out there. This might be one of my favorite favorites so far. It's called Toonie Tool. Uh, T-O-O-N-Y tool, and that's at tunitool.com. When you go there, you immediately get a blank canvas, and it kind of just walks you through in like these tabs uh, how to create your comics. So the first thing is a background, and they, they have a bunch of stock background images. You click and drag it onto the screen, and you got your background. And then you click on the characters tab, and there's tons of different characters. Click and drag in whatever characters you want. Next tab, bubbles. So you got all your little word bubbles to make your characters talk. This is where your students would do a lot of the, you know, the component of the project where they demonstrate what they know is that they, you know, they might be trying to explain something back to you uh, that they've learned. So you can check to see, check on their understanding there. Uh, the next tab, they call them props, but really these are just little extra images like balloons or presents or champagne glasses. Just some of the ones I'm looking at right now. Uh, the last part is some meme text to tie in that meme element if you want to. And then you've got your final comic, which you can share. So all on the same screen down at the bottom are the different sharing options. So you can email it, print it, download it as an image file. You can even share it on some popular social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. So it's just a really great way to incorporate that comic strip and maybe one you want to incorporate. If you're already doing something like this in your class, check out Toonie Tool. I think that sounds awesome, mm -hmm. especially for a history classroom. Yep. You can make political cartoons pretty easily using this. Absolutely. So uh, I really, really like that one. Um, let's go into, I believe this is my last one. Yes. It's yeah. called Artsonia, A-R-T-S-O-N-I-A. And this one is super cool for, I think, uh, remote learning in the art class. And I know that we never really touch on anything kind of like this before. Uh, what you do is your class makes these uh, portfolios, which parents, students, and other people can uh, basically view. You can make a collection, I believe, private, but you can invite parents and other teachers and, and other people in your educational space to your class portfolio. Now, you could also use their artwork to make some money. They put, say you did a sketch of some fruit, because that's the last thing I remember doing in art class before they told me I don't have <laughs> the skills to be in a college-level art class. I mean, my stick figure might have got me a C. It was, it was time to drop that course, respectfully, of course. Fair enough, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so say I take my picture of a fruit. My parents are super proud of my pear. 
that and pineapple that I just sketched and they want to put it on a mug. Well, they can buy that uh, artwork that is put on a mug and then it's for a price and then the class would make money from that, you know, the selling of that piece of artwork. So really, they'll put them on canvas bags, they'll put them on, on mugs, they'll put them pretty much anything that you could think of putting them on they have. So you can make a little bit of money on the side. And I think that's a that's a great way to keep, you know, your, your students interested and kind of give them a taste of the real world and, and what it's like to sell their art. I think that process is important. I was just going to uh, say that about the real world. That's that's great. It's sort of like the Vistaprint, but of your own stuff and you get to make your own money on your own stuff. It's really cool. Uh, okay, so my last selection, our last, the 16th of the episode um, is one we've mentioned pr- probably all of our most recent episodes, but I thought it was powerful enough to say it, not even for the last time. I'm sure we'll mention it again, and that is Moat. I just think we all need to know about this uh, for the uh, increasing virtual presence in our teaching these days. Mo, if you haven't heard us talk about it, it's essentially a feedback or commenting tool that integrates with your Google Docs, Sheets, uh, Slides, whatever you're using. Uh, So as you add that Google or that comment on the Google Doc, you can record your voice. So when students listen back to it, they can actually hear you, their teacher. It, It just adds that element of personalization we mentioned a lot of things in just this episode that help to keep your class together and united. Things like humor, show your kids that you you have that uh, as a part of your personality. Um, and, you know, let them actually listen to your voice so they can hear your tone and they can get a sense that you're trying to help them and you're not just criticizing them or you're trying to be give that positive feedback instead of something negative. We love Mo on the podcast. Yeah, we absolutely love Moat, and I'm, I'm going to come clean here. I made Nick put this one in there <laughs> uh, just because the last time – and we only mentioned, I think, Moat once on here before. But uh, the last time we mentioned them, we, we said the wrong Twitter, I guess, uh, Twitter handle. So we want to make sure that we get that in there. It's at JustMoatHQ, and uh, Will is very um, quick to get back to you. And he's very responsive and open to suggestions. So one of the new updates from Moat is that uh, they're starting to have Bitmojis in there that will basically say, yes, I get this as a student. They can click on an emoji that says, yeah, I understand. Uh, I'll work on this. That type of emote versus I'm frustrated. I need help. That type of emote. So or emoji. So just moat is adding a whole bunch of new stuff constantly. They're listening to teachers. Go check them out. Reach out to them on Twitter at just HQ. So that's going to wrap up our main bulk content for this episode. We just want to do one quick uh, sharing of something that Nick and I and another uh, former guest, Kyle Nemus, has been working on. I'm going to kick it over to Nick so he could get us started on this. But uh, it'll take a couple seconds of your time, and I think it would be very beneficial for anyone that checks it out. Yeah, so we haven't talked about it a whole lot. It's maybe maybe a year in development of sort of building in this side project uh, with our, our, our friend of the show, Kyle Nemus, like I mentioned, one of the co-creators of Classroom Q, a tool we bring up a lot. Um, we actually started a, a, a separate project. Uh, we've been calling it an educational consulting company. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, Essentially, it's like we're just offering our services for providing 
PD to teachers, and especially now in this new world, virtual PD. And the company's called Treefish Edu. Kyle's the best one at explaining it. We should have brought him in for this last part, but there's there's like a is it Einstein, right? Albert Einstein. Is that the quote, who the quote is attributed to? Yeah, we, we, we should really get this down. But yeah, so basically yeah. tree fish. I mean, it sounds like a, a alcoholic beverage, but it's yeah. not. So basically picture a fish in a water and you as the fish's teacher tells it to go climb a tree. So right. we have our students that learn a certain way. And if you tell a fish to go climb a tree, it's going to live its life thinking that it's stupid. And that's the gist of it. So basically, Treefish EDU wants to meet the, we want to train teachers on how to meet their students where they're at, where they're comfortable and how they best learn. So basically how to uh, assess where each student's at and how to know where uh, or how a student learns the best and then give teachers the tools that they need to meet the needs of multiple learners in a classroom. That was, that was really good. I'm glad I kicked that over to you for the explanation because you did way better than I was going to do. But that's the that's the background, <laughs> the background story behind this weirdly named company, Treefish EDU. Um, all of our wives, by the way, disagreed with the naming of Treefish EDU, and, but we, we still went with it against their advice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I always wonder why we did that, but you know what? I like Tree Fish Edu, and I like it. Too. And this Wednesday, August twelfth at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have our first YouTube live event. Now, Nick and I record these episodes, you know, through Streamyard, but we haven't done a live one yet. This is our fourth or fifth episode through Streamyard, so. We're going to take the plunge. We're going to dive deep into the live sector with Treefish EDU. And we're doing a series, a YouTube live series called Flipped Flops. And basically, all three of us took on uh, flipping our classroom or flip learning very, very early in the whole flipping game. And we all have experience there, but we all have experience with flopping. So basically, we want to share some of our flops and how we overcame them with everybody that wants to tune in. And we think flipping is a excellent it's an excellent way of handling remote learning uh it, it has a place in remote learning it has a place in and out of the classroom and we're gonna just uh share our expertise with that yeah so here it is again check out uh treefish edu's very first free online live YouTube series, Wednesday nights at 8.30, starting this Wednesday. If you're listening in real time, that's August 12th, but we're planning maybe six or seven of these things. So check out all, all the Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, any of our Twitter pages are going to have this as well as treefishedu.com slash virtual PD uh, to sort of stay up to date with the release of these uh, episodes. So that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to follow me at Nick Got Tech, Geis at Geis Got Tech, or the show at We Got Tech, as well as just checking out gottech.com to stay up to date with all of our latest episodes, blog posts, and other awesome shares. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.